Welcome to the Harmonia Early Music Podcast. I'm Wendy Gillespie. And I'm Janelle Davis. What have you got today, Wendy? Well, today I've got music of another little-known composer to introduce. The composer's name made me think of you, Janelle, because of your fondness for the cornetto. But it turns out that Peter Cornet, despite his name, was an organist. What we have here is a double CD of his music from 2012, released on the Parity label. Why haven't we heard of Peto Cornet? There are probably a number of reasons. For one thing, Peter Cornet lived from about 1575 to 1633, and so did a lot of other people, many of them, like Maestro Cornet, organists like Svelink, Frescobaldi, and Gibbons, and some even organists in Brussels where Cornet worked, like the Englishman John Bull and Peter Phillips, who was in fact the godfather of Cornet's third daughter. All of them were pretty well known. I guess some things never change. Just as today in the late 16th and early 17th centuries, there were an awful lot of famous musicians, so it has to be expected that more than 400 years later, some will have got lost in the shuffle especially when they were organists whose work is largely improvised and often not written down. And even when it did get written down, Cornet's work did not circulate very widely. None was ever published, and it's found only in four sources without a single piece duplicated between them. But it is interesting music with Italian, Spanish, and Flemish influences that illustrates the importance of Brussels in the 17th century as an international music hub. Here, for example, is a bit of a fantasia that has a strong tint of contemporary Spanish organ music. The stops on the organ used in this piece include the trompette, which, oddly enough, we heard in the lower voice, and the voix humaine, or human voice, which is a component of the upper voice in this piece. But did organs and cornets' own time sound like this? Ah, good question. In fact, each disc in this set focuses on a specific and painstakingly reconstructed 17th century organ, the first one is located in the north of France, and the other one is in Antwerp. The reconstructed organs illustrate not only the uncompromised quarter-comma mean-tone temperament that we have come to know, if not love, to be honest, for keyboard music of the period, but also the compass and voicing of these instruments. God, I love me some mean-tone temperament. <laughs> hey, but let's get back to Maestro Cornet for a moment. Is all of his music that survives meant for church? I would think there would be nothing to stop any of it being played in the context of a service, particularly because none of it has words. 
Here's a setting, for instance, of a famous Italian piece called the Aria del Granduca, which is one of those pieces that's built on a repeating harmonic pattern or ground. The Granduca part of the title puts its origins firmly in the secular realm in Italy. Of course, there's no reason a piece like this cannot work in a sacred context. Exactly right. Indeed, it can, and probably did. However, Cornet also composed pieces that use well-known chant as their basis, such as this piece, which is one of two settings Cornet did of the famous hymn Te Deum. Here's a little quiz for you, Janelle. What difference do you hear between this track and the previous one? Well, hearing them back to back, this one sounds slightly lower in pitch. Am I imagining it, or did something go wrong with the bellows? Ah, the sensitive ear speaks well spotted, Janelle. There is, in fact, a seven hertz difference between the pitches of the two instruments being played. The one on which the aria del Granduca was played is tuned at A412. And the one we just heard is tuned at A405. And your question about the bellows is interesting and calls into question ever so slightly the idea of reconstructing the organs. I might be wrong, but I think that electricity in the 16th and 17th centuries was not what it is now. And perhaps they could only have played the organ during a thunderstorm. <laughs> no, but seriously, how different might an organ sound if, if it is powered by frail humans rather than by more modern AC or DC? Well, that's really something to think about. The church organist's job, even today, but perhaps even more so in the 16th and 17th centuries, was very much about making music that started and stopped when the liturgy and its choreography demanded it. There were and are organists who are legendary improvisers, 
Some of their work gets written down, but that's not the important thing about it. Neither is whether anyone else ever plays it again. That's not so very different from what famous jazzers do. And sometimes their stuff is written down, though often not by them, and sometimes it isn't. In fact, it is we so-called classically trained musicians who are the oddballs, we who want to play other people's music and not our own, and we who want to recreate things and not create them. I'm not for a moment saying that that is bad or not worth doing. I'm just pointing out that it is but a tiny slice of what music making is all about. Well, Wendy, that's food for thought. All the same, thanks to the organist Arnaud van de Couter for introducing us to the nearly unknown composer Peter Cornet. If you'd like to find out more about this recording, just visit our website, harmoniaearlymusic.org. While you're there, you can browse our archive of blogs, podcasts, and shows, or visit our online shop, where a portion of your purchase will benefit Harmonia. I'm Wendy Gillespie. And I'm Janelle Davis. Thanks for listening.